from the Nipty Radio Recording Studios high above 107 Columbia Street in the heart of Uptown Downtown Albany. Welcome to this week's edition of the Nipty Practice Tips. Welcome everyone to this edition of the Nipty Practice Tips. First, we'd like to thank Amy Litwin for the wonderful job she did last week, and we're sure that she'll be joining us before very long for another edition. This week, we are going to be discussing what we have learned in the first two and a half months about the effect of CPL 245, or at least some of the most significant effects. We can say right at the outset, while some of these effects are not of surprise, there are others that really are quite surprising and some of which are actually beneficial to the people. So, without further delay, let's get started. The overall first impression is that there is potential for more harm in the speedy trial arena than in discovery sanctions. The potential for more chargeable time at the outset of the case creates the real possibility of early release of defendants who are being held on bail pursuant to 3030 Subdivision 2. Additionally, decisions made by a court determining a 3032 issue is binding on any concurrent court that determines a 3031 dismissal motion. If you find an error in the 3032 decision, even if the court rules in your favor on the main issue of release, you should effort the court to change the mischarged ruling. The need for the timely supplying of discovery in order to permit a statement of readiness is key under the new law as well as having a keen awareness of other bases for adjournments to be considered excludable under 3030 subdivision 4 and to make the appropriate record so they apply. Remember, these reasons for time to be considered excludable do not require the people to have announced their readiness for trial either in the past or at the present time. We have determined that the sanctions for untimely discovery found in 245.80 are a function of whether the defense can establish there has been actual prejudice as a result of the delay in supplying discovery. An example is found in the case of People v. Sibley's, a Supreme Court Kings County decision. Now, the court originally in that case rejected the People's Certificate of Compliance, but after the review of their subsequent efforts, in turning over a significant amount of discovery, and they're continuing to do so as the law provides, the court found their subsequent COC was in fact proper. The defense counsel, the court wrote, has not argued that she suffered any prejudice. Therefore, sanctions are not appropriate in this case. Remember, if there is a delay in supplying discovery, the court shall impose an appropriate remedy or sanction only if the entitled party can show prejudice. There is no per se preclusion of evidence language in that statute. The court's evaluation of the people's COC appeared to be taking into account people's claims for the need for additional time, and still they are finding the COCs to be valid, which thus permits the people to file an effective statement or notice of readiness, even while discovery is still outstanding. 
Take a look, for example, the case of People v. Adams, a Supreme Court Queens decision. Here the court wrote, although the court is ordering additional discovery not previously provided by the people, this order does not invalidate the people's certificate of compliance or statement of readiness dated January 24, 2020. The court finds that the people acted in good faith and there is no evidence that either the certificate of compliance or the statement of readiness was illusory. The courts are taking advantage of CPL 24535 that permits them to order the parties to diligently confer to reach an accommodation in any area of dispute as to what is proper discovery. An example of this is a standing order in Bronx Supreme Court where the administrative judge has ordered the parties to confer in compliance with 24535 in every case. This order includes the requiring of a compliance conference with the parties and the court. In this order, the defense is required to file with the court a document memorializing their efforts to resolve existing disputes and to detail the remaining disputes within seven days of the order. The parties in this specific order are directed to prepare for a compliance conference at the next adjourned date. This would appear to ultimately benefit the people for a swift and precise determination of discovery issues. While the statute is written, it seems to indicate that the people should be given an extra 30 days in order to timely deliver discovery to the defense without too much effort. The cases clearly demonstrate that it is not simply there for the asking. The courts have consistently held that in order for the people to get the extra 30 days, they must demonstrate they have acted with diligence and good faith in attempting to secure the required discovery in those first 15 days. Calculations of speedy trial time in the context of the new laws is clearly open to many interpretations and we are not going to know for sure for many months until these cases appear in the appellate divisions. However, there's a very interesting interpretation of the speedy trial law in the context of CPL 245 found in the case of People v. Rowland, a criminal court Brooklyn decision. Here, the court held that at least the first 15 days of the discovery delivery mandate are excludable despite the fact that no motion is required by the defense to trigger that application. The court wrote, CPL 3030 subdivision 4A has not changed. The legislature intended the speedy trial rule to remain as it had been prior to January 1st of 2020, and that the period during which the people are required to produce discovery must be excluded from the calculation. Now, this is a very interesting interpretation and worthy of consideration, but you can be sure there's going to be a great deal of objection to that interpretation by the defense bar. The new CPL 245 statutes are applicable to cases that commenced before January 1st, the effective date of CPL 245. Now, this came as no shock to most people. But an issue that is open to question is, how do we calculate the period of time where the adjournment is had in 2019 to a date in 2020. Now, in the context of what law applies in making this speedy trial calculation for that adjournment, the most logical decision that we've read held that the law that was in effect on the adjourned date controls the entire period. This is the case of People v. Purcell, 
a New York County criminal court decision. Now, in this case, the court wrote that the subdivisions of 3030 have not changed and that the application of excludable time is still appropriate. While the court, in another case, also from New York County, criminal court, People v. Lobato, held differently. The court held that the new discovery requirements override the excludable ruling as of January 1st, even where the adjournment was at the defense request, as it was in both cases. Now, the logic of this seems somewhat questionable, and it would appear that the Purcell case has the stronger legal and logical argument to be applied in such situations. A very significant and interesting issue is being raised by 245.30 sub 2, the statute which allows the defense to have access to the home of crime victims where the crime took place in the home. There are clearly constitutional issues raised here, and in the case of People v. Grafton, a Rockland County Supreme Court case, it is pending and going to be dealing with this exact issue. We will let you know, of course, as things develop, and please let us know if you have any similar cases of this nature with this kind of challenge. Decisions addressing expedited review procedures pursuant to CPL 24570 subdivision 6, permitting either party to challenge issued or not issued protective orders by the courts, have resulted in many cases finding that the people's position demonstrates that they have met the requirements to grant such orders including the delay in supplying material, not just to the defendant, but also to the defense attorney. The majority of decisions addressing the people's applications for protective orders have required notification of the defense to be a party to the proceedings leading to the court's decisions. Another significant issue that's come to the fore is determining what is sufficient to meet the requirements of CPL 245-1C to supply adequate contact information to the defense of our witnesses. The court in the case of People v. Fang, a Supreme Court Brooklyn decision from February 20th, held that Whitcom was insufficient to meet the statute's requirements. Whitcom requires the defense and the witness to both have an app for it to properly function. In a subsequent decision, released just this last Thursday, March 12th, People v. Todd, a Supreme Court Queens County decision. The Court of Concurrent Jurisdiction to the Feng Court held the use of a portal administered by Verizon did in fact meet the requirements of a, quote, adequate contact information. The Verizon portal functions by scrambling the witness's phone number, and the scrambled number is given to the defense who then may use it to contact the witness without having his or her actual phone number. The Todd Court specifically addressed the holding in Fang in these words, The Court declines to follow that decision, as the Court believes that its analysis is flawed in several respects. Be sure to read the analysis of the Fang decision and its flawed analysis in the Todd case. It goes into detail in explaining why the use of such a portal meets the statute's requirements. While a bit lengthy, this is a very detailed and persuasive decision. It also addresses and rejects the defense claim that since the alibi notice statute requires detailed contact information of potential alibi witnesses, the discovery statutes should require the same specificity. Additionally, 
it establishes the people are required to attempt to locate contact information for certain 9-11 callers. Needless to say, there is still a mountain of material and new issues to be covered and some to be uncovered as well. We hope that as these come to your attention, you will let us know so we can share both issues and case law and perhaps solutions to all your colleagues throughout the state. As far as this lecture goes, please be sure to take a look at the Prosecutors Encyclopedia New York Law at Your Fingertips and see the headlines for the CPL 245 Discovery Digest, the CPL 245 Discovery Cases and Brief Bank, as well as the Bail Brief Bank. In there, you will find many cases that are authority for what we've discussed today. We hope that all of you are hanging in there and that are finding that there are a lot of useful things and benefits to us under these new laws. Our thanks, as always, to our crack producer and man sunbathing today on the roof of 107 Columbia because it is a beautiful day, Jonathan Marconi Crispino. To all of you out there, be well and stay ready, my friends. Please.